Welcome to the latest episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon, starring your hosts, Mistresses Mia and Honey. Today we have a special treat for you. We have a new addition to the dungeon. We are bringing in a male dom, our first male dom to be a regular with us in the dungeon, and he is very knowledgeable on the subject of leather, and so we'd like to introduce him to you as well as all of us learn some new facts and history and protocol when it comes to leather. It's a very big, ambiguous kind of subject that is almost daunting to, to think about because you have so many, you, you are always hearing about different protocols, different hard, hard line rules, and it's it can be very difficult to even just ask questions about it. So I'm very glad we have our friend John here to enlighten us and educate us a little bit. Now, John, can you tell me, tell me about your educational background a little bit? Uh, my, I have a bachelor's in history, um, and then I did my graduate work also in uh, history, um, both at the master's level and uh, my doctoral studies as well were in history. So. History nerd. History, history nerd. nerd. <laughs> Solid. Represent. See, we got a, I got a fellow history nerd here, people. This is gonna, this this can be pretty funny, guys. I'm sorry if we get nerdy, but it's gonna happen. <laughs> so, John, tell me, how did you get started in, in leather? What brought you there? The first time I got leather on my radar, a friend of mine. We were in high school. Um, he was 18, I was 17, he had a car. We snuck down, because we're from the Bay Area, we snuck mm -hmm. down to San Francisco uh, by Pier 39, so we were walking around, you know, doing the whole Pier 39 thing. So we just kept walking down the main road there. And mm -hmm. when you get to the end of the road, we're like, okay, the road ended, what do we do? So we just turned left. Well, mm -hmm. that was Folsom Street, which, you know, we didn't know what Folsom Street was. Well, it didn't take us about a block, and we found out what Folsom Street was. Okay. And, and even in the daytime, I mean, just all these beautiful masculine men, you know, in, in their chaps and jeans and T-shirts, and they were everywhere, and they were leathermen, and you could just smell the testosterone. It was just, <laughs> it, was, it was really that hot. Palpable. Yes, yes, it was really palpable. <laughs> Um, so, you know, once I saw that image, it was just a very uh, powerful image for me, and, and I just kept being drawn, you know, to that. So you were attracted to that image, that testosterone. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you just wanted to be all about it. They were just hot, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, want, you wanted to be with them, you wanted I, to be one I of them. I wanted to be one of the cool kids, yes. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, it, there are worse reasons to get involved you in know, things. Hey, <laughs> six months later, I was 18, so guess where I was. Yeah, yeah. Right there at the Back leather club. The, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my gosh, 18. <laughs> I love it, though. Well, you know, it was just last year. Of course, yeah. You know, there's no way. There's no way you sound old enough to buy a beer. No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. Um, okay, so you do have very, very admirable his history uh, credentials here, and I'd like to. My first question is: Can you give us a just a basic history of the leather tradition? Because based on previous conversations, I'm starting to understand that the information that's permeating online about right. the leather history right. is not exactly accurate. So can you give us a more sure. accurate history? So just after my studies in school, I mean, I, I, I taught U.S. history um, at the college level um, at mm -hmm. a couple colleges on the East Coast. So as I began to teach U.S. history and because of my personal interest in leather and kink, mm -hmm. I fortunately was able to combine the two. So. Um, there's a lot of mystiques about, well, the first m misconception is that leather primarily began as a result of all these veterans returning from World War II, et cetera, et cetera. Yes, et cetera. I see that. Right. Anytime I look up leather online, I Ev get that blurb. Everywhere. So basically that was a hypothesis that was put out, and it was a totally legitimate hypothesis to put out. But it's been tested over and over, um, and that simply is not the case. So what happened, though, was somebody picked up that hypothesis, mm -hmm. I think it was their master's thesis, and then it kind of hit the internet. And then it, it, it keeps getting perpetuated, but without the corrective narrative that we now know. 
information from the leather archives, which you can go and see in Southern California and things like that. Um, it, it did not primarily start with, with returning World War II veterans. Um, what happened was, um, and if I start going into too many details, just hit me with a flogger. <laughs> So, um, in at around, I think it was like 1947, during the 4th of July weekend, down in Hollister, California, there was a bunch of bikers who went down there, and, you know, people got freaked out, et cetera, et cetera. And bikers are scary. Bikers can be scary. <laughs> so, what happened was um, a photographer, a reporter, I think it was for Harper's Magazine, um, ended up coming to Hollister because of the quote-unquote riot that they had. So when you they, got the motorcycle guys there, of course that's there's a right. riot. So they took a bunch of pictures. The problem with the pictures is they were all staged. So if you go back and find that Harper's Magazine edition with the Hollister riots, you're going to see you know beer bottles lining the road. It just looks like mayhem. Almost every one of those pictures was, was fabricated. That, that was not the case. The point of saying that, though, is, is as a result of that, of the event in Hollister, as a result of the article that Harper's ran, that was very much the inspiration for um, the movie The Wild Ones with Marlon Brando. Ooh. So all of this now is kind of in the popular culture. So what happens is, I think it was around 1955, there was a, a bunch of gay guys, you know, we've always loved popular culture, we always absorb it and, you know, make it better, more fabulous, whatever. <laughs> so a bunch of guys are just sitting around a pool nursing their hangovers from their, you know, basically sex party the night before, and they're like, hey, and they wanted to form a club, what do we do, what do you all have in common? Well, you know, again, the wild ones had just come out, you know, badass Marlon Brando. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of the club that they formed. Um, and uh, the first motorcycle club that was formed for gay men um, was the Satyrs Motorcycle Club. And that really is the beginning um, of leather, is that club. Matter of fact, it is the oldest continuing gay organization in the entire world. A lot of other groups claim it, and that's not true. It's actually the the Satyrs Motorcycle Club. Can you spell that for us? S-A-T-Y-R apostrophe S. The Satyrs. Just like a Satyr, you Love bet. Him. Yep, yep. Thank you. So, very... Very soon after that, you know, you've got the Tom of Finland images, you've got Chuck Renslow with the, um, with the Physique magazines. Mm -hmm. Chuck Renslow actually opened up the first gay leather bar in Chicago. Ooh. And then from Chicago, you know, we get the, the Hellfire Club. That's like mm -hmm. the, the gay Leatherman BDSM club. And over the time, just more and more motorcycle clubs um, would open up and, and leather very much spread. Um, I'm not sure if this is too much info, but uh -huh. um, the first gay leather title came out of the Gold Coast Bar. Um, that was Mr. Gold Coast Leather. That will eventually become International Mr. Leather. Okay. So, um, and the Hellfire Club is still operating. It's a major, major event for uh, for gay leathermen. So, that's awesome. That's wonderful. I love when when those traditions can can stay yep. alive. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Now, I, I, I have this question just because, I don't know, people like to come up and, t and tell me what they know, right, and, right. you know, I don't, and, and it just makes me have questions about that information. Right. Um, one thing that we think about a lot when, it, when we think about leather is collars, mm -hmm. and Again, it's it's just like oh, it just it seems like such a high protocol kind right. of thing. There's three collars, and they all mean something different. Right. And when there's a leash on, that means something too. Right. <laughs> what can you tell us about collars, John? Collars are actually very simple, um, okay. and they're not necessarily high protocol. It's it's just a general tradition among us. Um, one thing that might be important to understand is um, leather began as as a way of gay, gay men who want to express themselves in a more masculine, kind of hyper-masculine way. They wanted a rougher brand of sex. And it was kind of a reaction to that sort of high society cult, uh, gay culture, you know, going to the theater and things mm -hmm. like that. They, they didn't want that. So this is why so you have some men who want to express themselves like this. So it, it, it traditionally was hyper-masculine, very sexual, and because it was based in the motorcycle culture, that's why you have leather and things like that. So originally, leather was just very practical. 
what began to happen very early on though is you you had people who weren't so much about riding the motorcycles as they were more about simply the fetish of the leather mm -hmm. and and also what began to happen is is sort of the rise of, of what we can call the formalists now just just for transparency I, I am a formalist I mean I'm very high protocol you know etc so I am a formalist but what happened was um, people who wanted that formal high protocol like what you're talking about, mm -hmm. they began to sort of create that as well to fit their interests. Um, and then all of that began to sort of be, be extrapolated to become, this is the universal tradition, this is what leather has always done. And those of us who are, who are formalists, we have to be honest, now the intellectual honesty to say it might get my rocks off and it truly does mm -hmm. but it is not the beginning of leather it was not part of the original tradition and it is not at the heart of leather so to take our formalistic traditions and to say this is the way all leather is is quite frankly bullshit can we say bullshit yes we absolutely. Can say bullshit. absolutely well it is total bullshit uh, and it that's, and that's a very technical term. You cannot use bullshit unless you have at least one master's degree. That is correct. That's correct. <laughs> very technical <laughs> academic term. So the, your question was specific about collars. So collars go back to very, very much the beginning, the beginning of leather. Mm -hmm. And it simply was a way of indicating that this individual is the property of, of another, uh, of a dominant. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the traditions around leather, or around collars were very simple. If somebody is wearing a collar, like I said, that means that they belong to that dominant, to that mm -hmm. other person. You should not engage that person, particularly in public, uh, the person wearing the collar, the submissive, um, without the permission of the dominant. And that tradition is still pretty much in place. Mm -hmm. um, it, unless you are very familiar with those people, um, you, you do not presume to greet or engage the submissive who's wearing a collar um, in conversation without first asking the dominant. And it's very simple. I mean, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be stressed about it. Just say, you know, would you mind if I, if I greet your submissive? And the dominant will say yes or no. The reason for that is not to be assholes, but when we are in public, our submissives are, are what some people say they're, they're standing point. You know they're, that they're on duty basically, mm -hmm. so nothing should take them out of that headspace, including greeting them. So, but again, just simply okay. ask the dominant, and they'll tell you respectfully yes or no. So yeah. Okay. I should add though, except for puppies. Puppies are sort of the newest permutation, if you will, of yes. leather. Because <laughs> um, normally in leather, the collar belongs to the dominant. Mm -hmm. um, that's our tradition. The collar does not belong to the submissive. The submissive wears my collar. Okay. When they're done with service, the collar comes back to me. It's my collar. Um, except for puppies. Puppies can own their own collar and, and lock. So they're the only ones who have that tradition. Interesting. Okay. Could, could I make reference to a conversation you and I had? Yes. You had asked me about, about leashes. Yes. So what somebody, if you don't mind me saying, uh, is that, that, uh, that the old guard, quote unquote, uh, tradition of leashes is when a submissive is in public on a leash, even if they're holding the leash themselves, you're not allowed to talk to them. That's actually not... Yeah, because that is what I was no, told. Somebody just came up to me and correct. said, well, did you know? No, that's not correct. Now, that, that might be their tradition. Mm -hmm. That might be a local tradition. And, and, and those are valid. It, mm -hmm. it, it could be part of the local culture here where you live. But as far as an original, traditional leather protocol, that is not true. Because it was always the collar that indicated you are not to engage that submissive without permission. It had nothing to do with the leash. The collar was always the symbol. Perfect. Now, in a cursory review of, of literature on, um, on collars mm -hmm. specifically, I did read, um, I, I believe it, it, it had to have been Old Guard, but they talked about three different stages of collar. Does that make any sense to you, like three different stages of... Oh, it makes sense to me. Okay. But it's... 
do I think it do I think it is an uh, an original leather tradition? Yes. No, that's that's, that's, that's not correct. <laughs> no. What? Again, that that doesn't mean it's not a legitimate tradition. If you want to do that, if your local community does that, have at it. That's wonderful. The reason I I resist the term old guard is originally it was great. It was wonderful. You know, we would all call ourselves old guard, whatever. And it, it 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 just sounds badass. It, it sounds very badass. It sounds very badass. Except what has happened since the late '80s, early '90s, though, is that has become too wedded to the idea of this rigid formalism this is the way you must do it this is the only way you can do it and it, they've kind of become the leather protocol police if you will or gatekeepers uh, yeah use. and the gatekeepers like yeah. you know we, we've got the secret decoder ring and you can't get in unless we say so <laughs> yeah. um and this is where i'm going to make a lot of enemies but that's okay i'll sleep at night is what happened <laughs> in in the mid 80s is you know leather the leather community probably more than the general gay community, was, was ravaged by the AIDS epidemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of the way we play, you know, and, and, and just how sexual we are in our community, you can imagine how much AIDS just Does really wiped us out. I've always estimated 60 to 70 percent um, mm-hmm. of, of that generation we lost. Because and, and because they were the players, you know, they yeah. were the ones doing what they do. Some people have told me I'm underestimating, but it's it's hard to get the numbers. Anyway, what happened was as the players died in this Holocaust, mm-hmm. the formalists who who weren't necessarily as much about the play as they were about the protocols and the leather. And again, I'm a formalist. That's I, I love it. They were the ones who who sort of filled in the gap. Um, of, of the players who passed away. So, and to all my fellow formalists, I say to them, we have done a disservice to the leather community by taking our, our approach to it, which is a formal approach, mm-hmm. and universalizing that for all of leather. And, and that is not correct. And that's where a lot of the false narratives have come. There was a book that came out, um, something, something, leather protocol handbook, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. That's a great title, by the way. It, it, something to that effect. <laughs> the problem with it, it is, it is absolutely false. It is completely false. The book talks about this secret, and, and this is the language of the author, the secret council of elders. And if you wanted to be a master and earn your cover, you had to go to one of their secret meetings and they would bestow it. The, let me say categorically, Almost everything in that book is absolutely false. It is false. It is. Wow. It has been documented false. People who lived at that time in the Bay Area, people like Guy Baldwin, Ray mm-hmm. Bannon, you know, our big marquee names, they have come out and said this is absolute bullshit. The the author, to my understanding, was so exposed for the falseness of his book, he actually went into hiding for a number of years. I think he might be hiding wow. here in Florida. Last I heard. <laughs> Oh my so, goodness! And but, nobody would suspect right? Florida man. <laughs> no, right? So the, the problem is, is a lot of this, a lot of this, it, it's just myth. It's, it has now become, um, uh, it, it's become the narrative, the narrative. Of, of how we began and what we're all about, and, and it is just not true. And if I could just say to everybody who might be listening to this, if leather is not fun and sexual and liberating, then you are not doing it right. Here, here. Absolutely. If it's not fun, sexual, or liberating, you are not doing it right. That is just perfect. That's perfect. Well, because people can have, whenever you have these discussions, the question is, what has been the general leather tradition since the beginning? That's actually fairly easy to document. It really is. Mm -hmm. What, What are those say post-1985 protocols that have been imposed on us and made to be this general narrative, you know, uh, that's a different story. What, what are local protocols? You can have that conversation all day long. I'm primarily from the West Coast. Mm-hmm. We're more informal, but because I have a military background, that's why I, I kind of wedded the two and became a formalist. Now on the East Coast, much more formal um, and, and about the protocols and, and the rules than we would be on the West Coast. Both are legitimate, but just don't say, you know, this particular, you know, like your story about the, the leash. Yes. That is not a 
protocol of leather that goes back, you know, back to the, back the, the beginning of time. Those, all those generations no, it's, ago. it's not true. It's not true. So, You know what? In, in this conversation, I, I feel myself breathing a bit easier <laughs> just because, you know, I, I mean, granted, I've not been involved in BDSM very, right. very long, but... Leather was always a fetish that seemed out of reach, mm-hmm. that seemed uh, very daunting, mm-hmm. and it's it's all and it's just because of all those things you you've That's said. Right. Like there's a lot of gatekeeping. There's yep. there's a lot of misconceptions. The, the fact that you would use those two words to describe leather shows where we in the community have have fucked it up ourselves. If anybody looks at leather and says, it is daunting, I think it's out of reach, then we have done something grossly wrong and it has to be corrected. Because that mm-hmm. should not be the way. You should look at it and get and get a hard on or whatever. Yeah. Whatever the ladies get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, that, yeah. I call it the tingles. It, it, is about, <laughs> it is about sex. It is a rougher brand of sex and expressing yourselves in kind of a hyper-masculine way. That really is the heart of it. So, yeah. Awesome. See, it, like I said, just like my, my shoulders <laughs> dropping. I'm, like, I'm starting it, to get excited right. about it, it John. It, I if, really you, if you could combine, because of the time period that we... Am I rambling yet? No, I'm not asking Mr. Am yeah. I rambling? Not at all. If, no. if you could combine... 1950s social etiquette mm-hmm. with raunchy pig sex. Mm-hmm. That's what leather is. I love it. <laughs> because you know, we, we, we get together, you know, and it used to walk into a play space and I mean there'd be fucking cans of Crisco here and there. I mean it was just it was just, you know, before all this fancy bougie lube shit that people <laughs> Fucking had Crisco, everybody. That's what you did. That's what you did. Oh my god! That's what you did. You had Crisco. It's a great loop. It was a great or yeah. baby oil if you wanted. But you are we going to get some Crisco for that? I've time? always had it Crisco. It still works. I've had Crisco in the dungeons. Trust me. Still works. Still works. Absolutely. Old school. Old school. What was I saying? Was it wise and profound? <laughs> Absolutely. Always. Darn it. No. Always educational. <laughs> 1950s social social etiquette. That's it. Right. So that. Back to the pig sex. Thank yes. you. Yes, that's why. That's why we were talking about Crisco. Is is you know we we might play like pigs and it's rough and it's brutal and it's primal, but yet we will still say to somebody, um, "Good evening, sir. How are you?" It, there is a general respect and protocol that we we talk with one another. Now it's interesting in the South, you guys still have those traditions of in general. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yeah. That that's just general. So again, if you can combine that 1950s social protocol mm-hmm. with pig sex in Crisco, I love now it. you now you understand what we're all about. Yeah. <laughs> the images in my head are so funny right now. I just keep thinking lubing up sausage. I just. <laughs> Girl, there's been a few sausages I've lived up. It's <laughs> <laughs> happened oh, once yes. or twice. We can compare it since 1980. <laughs> oh, that would be hilarious. <laughs> Two most sexually active people in the area. Right? <laughs> now, the, a, a lot of the divisions that you're seeing is between um, people who still ride bikes, you know, that's that's how leather began, mm-hmm. motorcycles, and those who didn't ride. But wanted the look of leather, the feel of leather, and also the more formal aspect of it. So that's where you begin to see these divisions take place. Um, just to point out what I'm saying is, if you talk to some of the you know the, the older leathermen in our community, if you notice, they never introduce themselves or other people with with honorific titles. Ooh. If you go up to say, for example, Guy Baldwin, you would say. Hey, guy, nice to meet you. Or, you know, or maybe Mr. Baldwin, Mr. You know, whatever. Baldwin. But he doesn't say, hi, I'm Master Guy Baldwin, or, you know, or, or, or Race Bannon. Hi, I'm Master Race Bannon. They, they don't do that, but they are, they are gentlemen. They act respectfully. They expect to be treated respectfully. So all of this uh, concretization of, of titles and, pro- mm-hmm. and all that, that, that really is a post-1985 culture that happened because the formalists took over once so many of the players passed away. I hope that makes sense. Absolutely. That does make sense. And it's not the only, you know, that's not the only thing that got fucked up in the 80s. Right. I mean. 
Now, and again, if, if that formalistic stuff, if that gets your rocks off like it does mine, I mean, I really get a hard on with, I mean, very rigid high protocol with, with my slave and her boy. Very high protocol. I love it. But to say to everybody else, this is the leather tradition. This is the way you must do it. That, that It's not true. And, and it, it's actual, it's intellectual dishonesty, if I were to say so. But again, if, if that's what gets your dick off, have at it. Enjoy it. I wanted to make a joke about getting my dick off, but I couldn't figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Well, I have a big old purple one that I have in my closet that I wear to peg myself. Mine's not purple, but it does the job. <laughs> it's big. It has been known to turn blue with two pads of cock ring, but never purple. Yes. Damn that cock ring. Yeah. Darn it. Best hard on I ever had, though. Yeah. Couldn't get the bitch off, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Gave me a great heart. We've had to use bolt cutters, so. You know, there's, yeah, we've had this story. There's How some stories. Well, you know, next episode. <laughs> Crisco, actually. <laughs> Crisco. Jesus. Crisco. Crisco. It was Crisco. Now, are we talking about the Crisco, like the white, yeah. goopy Crisco, yeah. or the vegetable oil? Sister, there's Crisco. only one kind of Crisco. Yeah. There is Crisco, vegetable That's shortening. That's it. Shortening. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's I'm not never going to be able to look at Crisco the same no, again. It's not just used for frying chicken. <laughs> Absolutely not. It's used to choke chicken, but not choke chicken. Exactly. <laughs> oh, that's, that's pretty old school. I might just have lost most of your listeners. Oh, you say choke the chicken? Spank the monkey? We have a, a big spectrum of people that listen in age yeah. groups. So Yeah, most, like from 28 up until yeah. 44, that's yep. our biggest demographic. And yeah. Everybody beats yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Everybody does. And, you know, they're all over the world, too. They're beating it in secret. Yeah. Uh, back on subject, uh, yes, what can you, you... You talked about covers, and um, I know about a little bit about boots. Right. What can you tell me about earned statuses involving boots and covers? It is a great modern tradition. How about that? Ooh, in nice. other words, it, 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 it wasn't the way it was in the beginning. Okay. So, you didn't earn a cover. You just fucking went out and bought it because it was cool to wear a cover. I mean, let, let, let's be realistic here for a minute. You've got a bunch of gay guys mm-hmm. in the mid-1950s, early 1960s. Well, who was presenting them their covers? Nope. This is sort of a chicken and the egg argument. There was nobody there to present them their covers. They just fucking went out and bought them and wore them because Marlon Brando looked hot and they all wanted to have sex with Marlon Brando. I mean, you, things you, they you, do to have sex with Marlon Brando. Yeah. I, I would bitch for Marlon Brando. I was gonna say, I, bitch I, would have a pro, I would totally bitch for Marlon Brando. But back on topic, uh, you, you didn't. You didn't the, the tradition of earning your leathers was not part of the original stuff. Now, it, 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 came, it came along, and it, and it was in pockets here and there, et cetera, et cetera. I can understand since, say, 1985, 1990, that, that demarcation line in history. Mm-hmm. I can understand why we want to do that now. Because it used to be, you know, vetting somebody into our community, we were very strict gatekeepers. I mean, you didn't get into the leather bar, you know, and you might come into the leather bar, people would vet you out, but you didn't come to the back room. There was all these layers of getting people, of, of filtering them before they came amongst us, well, if you will, in private. And, and, that, and that is equally as much to do with um, the gay aspect mm-hmm. as much as the leather, right? Right, yep. But as, as we, that disruption of, of, of AIDS in the 80s, mm-hmm. we just, every, all of our social structures just completely broke down. So now we don't have the bars that we used to. We don't have the leaders. I mean, you know, we, we lost almost a whole generation, um, not to beat that dead horse. So if people want to do that now as a way of having people prove themselves and show that they're serious about it, that, that's great. I get it. Mm-hmm. But that was not part of the, of the tradition in the early days. It, it, it's, it's become... I would say maybe 50-50 nowadays, particularly since the turn of the century, mm-hmm. of people who earn leathers and those who don't. 
Um, but almost all the protocols, quote unquote, that mm -hmm. people have around earning their leathers, those are more modern inventions. And again, that doesn't mean that they're illegitimate. They're mm -hmm. fine. They're wonderful. It's a way of vetting people. It's a way of, of having people earn something. It, it, for example, in our leather family, they earned their leathers. And then we would go out and we would get, you know, our submissive never bought their leathers. We gifted them to them. Um, but that is not a tradition that, that was very universally known um, prior to 85 or 1990. So, okay. And let me say that whatever people, whatever story or whatever standard they want to have about, well, here's what you have to do to earn your leather, that's good for you, boo. <laughs> but just admit that this is your protocol or this is your local community's protocol. Don't say, this is the leather protocol since day one, because chances are 90% of the time it is false. That is, that's just good to know. But again, it's a good tool nowadays. Yeah. Go earn your shit, that's fine. <laughs> hey, status symbols, you know. It, well, <laughs> the, for example, we, we had a boy, and mm -hmm. brand new to leather, didn't know anything about it. For him to have to work to earn his boots, and for me to take him to the biker store, let him pick out the boots, and I paid for them, th that was like winning the lottery to him. I mean, those boots are infused with meaning to him that otherwise wouldn't be there. So again, there is a huge value to these kind of practices, mm -hmm. but just don't give them a historical significance that that is not correct. Understood. Um, what are some other, are there any other big misconceptions about leather that we need to debunk? Um, oh gosh, you, you could spend days talking about that. Um, <laughs> we probably can. <laughs> I, I was glad that you used the term, I think you said cap or cover, I couldn't remember. Cover. Yeah, um, um, Yeah. We, we never call them hats. Um, I come from a military community very myself, good. Good so I, it's, um, it's ingrained yeah, in me yeah. as well to say cover. I know a couple times I've seen people um, come up uh, to a submissive and uh, they'll, they'll touch the collar and say, oh, that's a really cool piece of jewelry, what is that? Don't ever touch a submissive's collar. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even touch, um, you should never touch uh, a leatherman's, none of his gear, none of his leather, unless you ask for permission first. Um, as long as you're generally respectful, you know, I, I think it's fine, so. Wonderful. I, if, if we could sum all of this up, I would want people to know most of what they're hearing about, these are leather protocols, are simply not historically factual. Doesn't mean that they're illegitimate, mm -hmm. but they are not historically factual. And people should just put them in the context of, this is my tradition, this is our local tradition, or this is a tradition since whatever year they think it started. But don't don't take that shit back to 1955. It's it's simply not true. Oh, the other misconception. Yes. I hear a lot of straight people say this. Well, uh, if if somebody wants to have alcohol at a play party, mm -hmm. and I'll always hear people say, well, you know, it's it's an old guard tradition of not serving alcohol at, at leather play parties. And I'm like, bitch, who the fuck told you that? <laughs> Thank you. Yes, there we are to, validated. There used to be yes. fucking open bars <laughs> at play parties, and a good number of the guys would be in the bathroom doing coke. Now we don't I, advocate I, for I, that. I know. <laughs> well, no. Please uh, don't in, do coke in, in, our, in our family. Well, no. In our family, <laughs> that's, you do it once and you're out. I mean, yeah. we have very, very strict. But the point of it is, don't. We're not fucking Sunday school teachers here. Absolutely. What? You know, so I, I, I hear a lot of people, and, and I don't mean this offensive, but I'm sure it's going to come across offensive and you'll get nasty notes. A lot of this bullshit is mm -hmm. coming from straight people. The straights have ruined something else, I, guys. I, I, that's not what I said. That's just honey's work. But what I will no, say I'll is... I'll say it as a bisexual woman. The straights for, have ruined things. First of all, if, if you're a straight person and you want to be leather, wonderful. Welcome to the party. But at least acknowledge the fact that you are you are joining a culture that that was founded for and by gay men. So it's not your party, sweetie. It's not your party. You can join us. You're a guest at this party. It's You're it, not the host. <laughs> where so it, it, it's a little bit of a soft um, 
sore spot. It's a bit of a sore spot for me, mm-hmm. particularly since I was in Southern California. We were going to go to a, a play space, mm-hmm. but this play space was advertised as a leather play space. We're like, hey, come on, we we're yeah. going to pack up a slave and the boy, and we were going to yes. go. Until we read the description, and it said, "This is a leather play space." And while while we acknowledge that gay leather is rooted amongst gay men, this space is only for heterosexual men who dominate women. <gasps> Jeez. Talk, uh, you, can you say fucking cultural appropriation? Fucking, uh, uh, wow. So uh, that that pissed me off. I'm wow. like, you've not only now have you stolen our culture, you're not excluding us from it. Wow. Uh, th- that so excluding- every. That, a lot of people that from threw, that that threw me off. That threw me off. That threw me off. Yeah. Um, it's interesting to me, and, and I, I normally get this from from straight men. You will ask them. I'll say because I, I I'm still surprised to find straight people who want to be leather. I'm like, this is this is what gay people do. But okay. <laughs> so I, I just happened a few weeks ago. Somebody said, oh, you know, I'm following a leather path. And I hate that. Path. Hate that phrase. Whatever. I've heard it, that quite it's, often. It's 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 new. It's it's whatever. Yeah. Um, and I'll say, well, why do you want to to be part of the leather? He says, oh well, I believe in following a path of honor and integrity. It's like, bitch, I'm not looking for a fucking Sunday school teacher. <laughs> really I want somebody. I, if I want pig sex with Crisco. <laughs> well, but, but here's the problem when you, when you make that statement when you say, well. I'm as a straight person, you know, in the kink community. If if you say, well, if they say, well, I want to be leather because I want to follow honor and integrity. Mm-hmm. Well, does that mean the kink community doesn't have honor and integrity? But why do you have to come to our culture to have quote unquote honor and integrity? That that's just weird. I'm like, if that's the best answer you've got, I don't know that you get what leather is all about because I'm sorry, it's primarily about sex, sex. and that is a huge cultural distinction between the kink community and the leather community. Mm-hmm. When I go to a, a, a kink play space, mm-hmm. and by that I mean primarily straight or bi or pan or demi or whatever they're saying they are now, more often than not, sex is not part of what's going to happen at that play party. Mm-hmm. For leather people, I'm like, look, if you just had me flog you, beat you, and set you on fire for an hour, mm-hmm. somebody's sucking my dick. <laughs> yes. <laughs> It, it, to us, the leather, the BDSM, all of it is a precursor to this primal sex that we're looking for. So the idea of doing BDSM with no sex, I mean, a, a gay leatherman, we walk into the play space and the rule says, you know, no sex allowed. And we're like, what the fuck? What am I supposed to do here? Let's go home and watch fucking Netflix then. I mean, that, you know, or, yeah. So that's a big cultural distinction um, between... Uh, between leather kink, kink and, and leather, kink yeah, and yeah, leather. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I can step in just for yes. a few moments, I, I love that you said all of that. I really do. Because for one, the whole concept of not being able to go and actually drink at a party, mm-hmm. at an adult party. You know, and right. I, I've had numerous issues with this over the yep. last seven years I've yep. these big parties. Yep. And my question is, you know, there's only adults that come to these parties. Right. And if you're not an adult and you can't handle a sexually charged environment, don't come. And the whole aspect of, again, BDSM and sex. People have been offended in this community yeah. because we combine the two. <laughs> you know? And there is, and I get in, in the kink community, that's your culture. I respect that. It, it, when I come to your house, I follow your rules. But, but for gay leathermen, mm-hmm. sex goes with it. It's just a cultural distinction. What I find interesting about the alcohol is, whether it's kink or leather, I, I think the principle applies to both, is I have to be able to trust your judgment and your discretion, not discretion, but I have to be able to trust your judgment and maturity because we're doing some stuff that could get people hurt. Absolutely. And if I can't trust you to make appropriate decisions, if you can't even handle your alcohol, then how the fuck am I going to trust you on a St. Andrew's cross to make the right judgments at the end of my single day? Absolutely. That's how I look at it. So, Understood. And I totally get that there's a lot of people who are dealing with, with, with substance issues and addiction issues. I get that. I totally respect that. And let me be clear. I do not judge any play space, any event that wants to be alcohol free. Have at it. Sure. I totally respect that. But do, what I object to is, do not tell me 
that that is an old guard leather tradition. That's what I objected to, not people who want to prohibit alcohol at play spaces. Because that's fine. Don't don't drink. Right. I mean, I can. I definitely see the value in in, in it as as harm reduction. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, and, Absolutely. And, you know, it is because there are people who just can't handle it. Right. But I'll tell you, I went to an event recently where I was where it was a, a demo on consent and right. negotiations, and I have no problem saying what what was said there was that if you if you've had even one drink you shouldn't be consenting and negotiating which I openly you know laughed because I thought right. that was, I thought it was a joke it was not I, I, I think it shows a naivete about um, alcohol for what I mean it, it's like well what are we gonna have blue laws now you know in the leather and kink community yeah. I, I, I think an adult um, you know I think an adult can uh, can can, can, pl- yeah. can figure out for themselves, right. and, and 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 again, as harm as a harm reduction tactic, reduction tactic, I I can respect that. Totally. I can also respect. Hey, we just don't bring it in here because Absolutely. we don't want to give the cops another reason yep. to search. Yep. I can see that too. But right. Again, yeah, well, like you're saying, don't tell me that this is. It's the, not an old guard tradition. Old guard tradition. Right. I, and, and let's be clear. I know I said I just want to repeat it. I have nothing but respect for people who want to have a, a no alcohol policy at their play spaces or events. Mm-hmm. Totally respect that. Just don't say it's an old guard leather tradition because it's not. Wonderful. That's and um, hell, my slave used to sneak in a flask of whiskey into the bathhouse when I would take him there and beat the shit out of him. So there you go. Well, tell me how he sneak in his his whiskey while you're beating him. Well, you know I. I he had to have drink breaks. At <laughs> oh, aren't you a loving dog? <laughs> I've been called many things, never that. <laughs> hey, you gave, you gave your slave, you know, a drink break. I did. I, did. I mean, what more could they yeah, ask yeah, for, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> I talk a lot of shit for <laughs> somebody who really only have had her own submissive for two months. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. Many more years to come. You're good. Oh, many more years. I can't. <laughs> no, we. I think we've gone over the history. We've gone over protocol. Mm-hmm. We've gone over, and it's it. It all basically boils down to you do you boo. Yeah, just you don't do you. just don't say it's tradition. Right. And I the, think the only it. thing that I would say is a leather tradition because the people may be saying now, well, then what the hell is leather tradition? Yeah respectful um, behavior um, and and rough kinky sex I mean that really is what it's about um, pick sex with Crisco it, it, pick sex with Crisco you gotta love it yeah. I love it yeah <laughs> and just you know yeah just it. don't touch another man's leather don't touch the collars don't engage a submissive when he's standing pointed public you know it's just basic common courtesy quite frankly so, yeah. of course now, I do want to ask, just because, you know, we love dungeon stories. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I heard yeah. you. <laughs> um, can you, t- can you t- do you have a favorite or uh, a very memorable leather experience that you can tell us about? And include all the, you know, all, <coughs> all the pig sex with the Crisco you want. We love our stories. Love our stories. So I, I, I have a slave, and he is, by the testimony of the person who wrote the book on slavecraft, mm-hmm. he got to know my slave, and he said to me, "I think that your slave is one of the top six slaves I've ever met in this country." So high praise. And you would never know that he was very unassuming, but he was still a little shit. <laughs> So he he was fluent um, in uh, in a foreign language, but okay. not like Spanish or French. I mean, it was kind of an obscure language. So I say to the slave, uh, "We're going to the grocery store, and I want you to write down the shopping list." So I'm going through the kitchen and I'm opening cupboards, you know, mayonnaise, this and that. You know, it's like 20 items. I'm yelling out, and he's writing it down. So we get to the grocery store, 
and uh, and we're going up and down the aisles, and I'll say, well, what's next on the list? And I'll say, Master, the next thing on the list is X, Y, Z. Fucking slay, that's four aisles over. Why didn't you tell me when you were there? Blah, 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 blah. So <laughs> we, we have to go back and get it. So he's got me going all around the store, not in an efficient manner. Mm-hmm. So finally I turned to him and I said, give me that fucking list. So I grabbed the list and I looked at it. I said, Slave, what the fuck is this? He's like, well, Master, that's the shopping list. But I wrote it in the language, you know what? I wrote it in such and such language. I'm like, why the fuck did you do that? (laughs) Because, Master, that way I know that you would have to talk to me in the grocery store. I'm like, you know what? You fucking sneaky little shit. Such a bratty right. tendency right there. But, you know, we, we all, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. We all have those scenes where you've done a scene, you're like, wow, that went south. Yes. So I'm, I'm doing, fire play is one of my specialties. I'm like, I'm, fire, yeah, that's, I'm like, I got this whole little, you know, mojo I got about my fire play. So I've got this really hairy, furry guy that I'm playing. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, Mistress Mia knows where this is going. <laughs> no, there's no way this is going to end well. So I, I got him on all fours because he wanted to do some t- CBT and things. Uh, and I'm, and I'm, so I thought, okay, you know, we'll add this together. So I've got him on all fours. His hairy dick and balls are hanging down. Oh, so I take my Kevlar wand that's on fire and I, and I just thought I would go real quick under his balls. You know, just real quick. <laughs> So I did, and, and he's looking in the in the in the window in front of him. It's dark, so it's kind of like a mirror. Suddenly, there's this fireball. Whoosh! And he's like, he's like, he's like, Master, what happened? So of course, being a good dominant, all I said was, Oh, don't worry, I meant for that to happen. That's awesome. Yeah, well, there you go. I thought so. I mean, it was great. That's awesome. Yeah. Oh, what the fuck? It'll grow back. Shut the fuck up. That's awesome. Do we have time for one more story? Yes, okay. please All right. do. Please, please so continue. I, I don't do aftercare. Okay. I just it, I get that kink people do, and it's it's very cute. <laughs> Thank you. First time Thank I walk. First again. time I walk into a, a play, and I get you know real aftercare. That's one. And I mean you know. Sure. I, I get it. But when I see somebody do a scene for 15 minutes, that's just kind of a beginner scene. No disrespect no. to beginner scenes. No. They, they do kind of a light scene for 15 minutes, and then they kind of, sh- you know, they're shaking. And the top walks them over into the corner, and they get wrapped in a Hello Kitty blanket. And they're fucking there for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's their... And, and I, and I so asked them... I've never true. seen this before. And I asked somebody, I said, what the fuck's going on? They said, oh, well, that's aftercare. And I said, what the fuck is that? I said, what the fuck is that? So so my aftercare is, go clean up my fucking gear. That's my... I love it. So I'm at at this... I'm at this play party. It's all gay leathermen, you know, and we're doing our thing. So I'm there, you know, master me. Friend of mine is there. Daddy's so-and-so. And daddies are, you know, they're their own thing. They're like, oh, look, I'm a daddy. I care about your feelings. I'm like, oh, God, whatever. My, <laughs> husband's, a, my husband's a daddy, so I can say it. He, like, sits on the sofa and cuddles him. And I'm like, fuck, I don't even, I don't even fucking cuddle with you when you pay the rent. But whatever. <laughs> so the daddy is doing this intense scene with his boy, you know, beep, 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 clog, clog, clog. And I'm doing this intense scene with my boy. And they're facing each other, you know, across the state. Beep, 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 flog, flog, flog. Mm-hmm. The daddy sits his boy down. And this is not going to translate to audio. I sit my boy down, and the two boys are sitting next to each other because, you know, we're all good friends. Mm-hmm. So, so the daddy says to my boy, hey, boy so-and-so, you know, would you mind giving some aftercare to my boy? And my boy literally put his hands up in the air. His eyes were like saucers, and he's like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> and, all, and I just looked at the daddy, and I said, that's my boy. That's my boy. <laughs> So the daddy laughed because he knows me. So he went over to my boy, picked up his arms, put his arms around his boy, said, that's aftercare. My boy's like, I, I don't even know what this means. <laughs> not you made me proud, boy. You made me proud. You want aftercare? <laughs> suck, 
suck the lube off my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. And, this is awesome. I do. This is awesome. Public service announcement, legitimate aftercare is legitimate aftercare. But this attention getting, I need aftercare. You know what? No. You need a dick down your mouth. That's what you need. Thank you. I completely I agree. It. Anyway. I love it. <laughs> I completely Those agree. Those are my embarrassing stories. I love it. That's awesome. And just thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It was fun. I had a wonderful time. I'm glad. We're going to have to have you back for more stuff because hey you know you've said a lot of things where i really want to sit there and more poke stuff at. is fun more <laughs> stuff is fun well with you coming into the dungeon too with, looking forward to it with new people yeah, uh, yeah. they're going to listen to this podcast and say you know he's one brutal dom so i'm you down know, I, 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 I if if i could say i very much appreciate mistress mia you, you know providing me the the invitation i doing this on the west coast you know, that was one thing I, you know, it was, it was not hard to do. You know, I just, you hang a shingle and you do what you do. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure, well, no, but there's no way that, a, you know, a, a professional dominant can do his craft here in the South. And, you know, Mistress Mia was just very nice to say, oh, no, no, I, I, I think we have a space for you. So, and I'm very much Absolutely. looking forward to it. it. So I'm very much looking forward we're to it. We're excited. <laughs> Me too. You got, I mean, you got friends in yeah, us, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're going to love working with yeah. you. I'm going to love learning from you. I can tell you that. Yeah, much well, right you know, now. if anybody's listening and, they're, and they want a, an aftercare scene, they can miss me with that shit, though. <laughs> I'm ready for the whippings and the sodomy to begin, honestly. Nice. <laughs> nice. Yes, I will happily, I will happily represent, sit, bitches, <laughs> represent. I will happily sit in a corner and enjoy that scene. <laughs> Very much so. Honey's bringing the Crisco. <laughs> I've got I've got a membership to both Sam's and BJ's. I can bring some Crisco. Was there anything you'd like to add? I don't think so. I think everything was covered. I think that's the bigger thing. You know, we're talking about um, what we wanted to know in the leather history. Obviously, yeah. I mean that was that's the big thing. Yeah. And I love the fact that you debunked so much. And mm-hmm. honestly, you know, and I have to say that. Um, there's a lot of, uh, I love, I love living here. I mean, it's a beautiful part of the country. I really do, but there is something in the water here that there's a lot of false narratives about what leather is all about. Um, so I'm really glad you guys took the time to debunk some of that. Um, yeah, it, 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 leather should be fun and sexy and uh, yeah, and, well. and and that is absolutely the heart of it. Well, I can tell you, I am. Um, as we close this podcast, I'm. I have a renewed wonder for leather. So, that if if I have a goal in life as a, as a leatherman, it's that I simply want to leave a mark. That leather should be um, fun and and sexual, and and that's the bottom line. Wonderful, absolutely. Well, thank you for joining us, Thank John. you. Thank you. Uh, this has been another episode of Mistress Mia's Dungeon. Uh, feel free to tune in. Anytime on uh, Anchor, Spotify, we are on every platform we can find. If you can't, if, if your platform, if we're not on your platform, send us a message. We'll we'll find it. We want to be we want to be everywhere you are. Also, if you have a question that you would like answered on the podcast, please email me at sweetmistresshoney at gmail.com with the title podcast question. If you are a friend of mine or a follower of mine on FetLife, you can private message me podcast questions. Please remember to title your message, podcast question. Otherwise, your question may go unread. I do not have time for thirsty boys, and I don't look at a lot of messages. So that's where we are with that. And uh, we will see you again next time. Thank you.